0: This is Unsuitable with Mary B. Seyfert, Episode 5.2, Mental Health, Laughter, and Being Still. I'm your host, Mary B., and this is a podcast where I interview single Christians about their lives and faith. Today, you're going to hear from Jonathan Flores. Jonathan is a New York City-based actor who lives to bring joy and light into people's lives that will free them from anxiety and depression. In this episode— You'll hear how to be still with God, how comedy can help with mental health, and the value of long-term friendship. So, let's get to it. Hey, Jonathan. Hi, Mary B. How's it going?
1: Very good, thanks.
0: Good, good. Glad to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. I would love for you to just start off talking about yourself a little bit. Tell the listeners kind of who you are. Where are you based? How do you spend your time? Tell us about yourself.
1: Okay. I am based here in New York City. I'm from Dallas. I call New York my home. I am compelled to the city just like most people are here, just the culture, people from all over the world, um, mm-hmm. taking the subway. I love public transportation. You know, I like that there's a lot of things filmed here, just the opportunities in film or commercial acting.
0: So you came here, you were drawn by kind of the culture. You came here to pursue work as an actor.
1: Yes. I loved watching Saved by the Bell as a kid and thought, oh man, I I can do that. Mm -hmm. And was almost jealous that they were able to do that, you know, like for their... Mm -hmm. Work our role, but it's not as easy as it looks. You know, they make it look easy, and so I was like, "How do I become a part of that?" And growing up where I did, I was mostly influenced by people in real estate. So it was always like doing acting or film was such a impossible. You know, it just was something that Mm. wasn't even. It's like don't even go there. Don't even think because it's a hard way to make a living, and it is, and to have a family. So. But anyway, sorry. When did I first... I remember being on set as a production assistant in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Angela Johnson, she's like a comedian. She did a Taco yeah, Taco Bueno commercial, I think. And I was like her handler. I would walk her back and forth from the trailer, which was fun. And then some other music videos I was like a PA for. It was great. And like my friend ran a casting agency in dallas and she was like we need hispanic hands and i remember i took pictures of my hands and and like sent them in and then i was able to do it was the first time where i was like talent quote unquote for taco bueno and then slotsky's which is a sandwich place down in texas and Mm -hmm. then mr gaddy's Mm -hmm. which is a pizza place so that was fun that was my first time where i made some money as a hand model and that was fun you know, I never had a manager, but I would just have my friend, a family friend, Luke Coffee. He's with Coffee Productions in Texas, and he would always mm-hmm. call me if, to help them out. And also, there's a friend who run this theater in Oak Cliff called the Texas Theater, and Eric Steele, one of the partners, he would bring me in on, you know, to be like background or if I wanted to help on set. So that was fun. I got to do that. Thankful for those guys. And mm-hmm. and I would always go to them for advice. But And then I came up here and took improv classes at UCB Theater. And that mm-hmm. was back in 2008. And that was like the best. I'd never done something where I thought, man, this is... I don't know. I just really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And so I met some people through there. I was able to do something on MTV. I was like a... Um, Background actor for some it was kind of funny, it was like if fraternities were feminist, <laughs> yeah and, and so this was a couple years ago, but that was fun and then was able to be on some other sets for things. I did like a laugh track for some show, and I don't even remember how I got to do I think my buddy james coker he was he was involved in stuff, and that's what that's right, so I got to do a lot of production. PA work, production assistant for um, Ray Donovan, and then this show called Iron Fist, I think, it's some Netflix show. And then I got a manager last year. This time last year, I was watching the marathon at a friend's house, and somebody there was a casting director that I was talking to. There's there's a lot of people there, and you know how you can tell the difference between like business people and and creatives. Mm-hmm. She was definitely. I was like something was different about her, but then she said she was a <laughs> casting director, and I was like, I'd love to come in. And so they hired me, and so I've I've had a lot of auditions with them. I did book some other commercials and and got a callback and booked something today, so that's good for next week.
0: That's great.
1: Well, and throughout this whole time, I'm trying to figure out how do I support myself. So,
0: in and out, mm. I, you
1: know, I've I've nannied full time, but then also real estate work. So, and then a lot of odd jobs in between. So, um, it's always a battle of why am I doing this? Should I do this? And then like, man, I, I want, this is what I want to do and then figuring out how do I afford it? You know? Yeah. So that's like, that's the up and down frustrations, I guess.
0: Yeah, for sure. Do you have any sort of practices or is there anything that kind of helps you as you're riding that roller coaster of the day-to-day?
1: Recently, there's this book called A Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. Tim McKellar wrote it. And that's been really good going through because you know, it talks about ego or and just identity, kind of reminding who, who I am. To answer your question, yes, I do try to spend time doing this. I have this devotional that I'm working on. It's called Lectio Divina and that's been nice. You kind of go through and you sit and there's a couple of minutes of just different rhythms and it's good to, I've been trying to learn to be sit in silence recently mm. and and that helps, you know, I'm not like really good at meditation and it's slow contemplative like praying of the scriptures. So, you know, it enables me to, to become like um A means of union with god so instead of it being like i don't know something to check off it's it's really good Mm -hmm. because it just makes you think more so there's like five different rhythms and the first one's like prayer and preparation that's like five minutes and usually there's the valley of vision there's these prayers that kind of start to guide and then the second one is reading which is lectio these are the four movements so that's like six minutes of reading Slowly, the passage three times, and then the third time underlining a word or phrase. And then the meditation mm-hmm. part is repeating this phrase and then allowing it to like interact with your thoughts, hopes, anxieties, desires, fears, and your joys. And then through that meditation, it allows God's word to become his word for us, a word that touches us and affects us at our deepest levels. And this idea called illumination. Just imparts understanding through that. It's not a special revelation from God, but the inward working of the Holy Spirit, which enables the Christian to grasp the revelation contained in the Scripture. So,
0: Hmm.
1: yeah. And then there's a prayer, and then there's like the last five minutes is stillness and silence, affirming God's presence Mm -hmm. in your life. So, it's it's just I have trouble sitting and being still. So this is a great guide. So yeah, it's like. I think it's only 20 minutes in total or 30 minutes. Yeah.
0: I love that. And I love that you've been able to kind of challenge yourself to sit in silence and to be still. That's hard for me as well. Yeah. But I think it's really important because it keeps coming up. Yeah. So it's a little breadcrumb that God seems to be pointing me to.
1: Yeah. It's just funny how, how much noise as as in one's mind or my mind when Mm. I'm quiet. And I think I just, I don't like the silence because it brings up all the other stuff, you know, so I'd rather be running around Mm. doing
0: things. To sort of shift gears on your Instagram bio, you have this mission statement that you live to bring joy and light into people's lives that will free them from anxiety and (sighs) depression. Yes. I would love for you to talk about your mission statement a little bit, if you would also call it a mission statement. It sounds very missional.
1: Yeah, I forget about that.
0: Yeah. Would you talk a little bit about that, maybe where that came from, and then how you try to live that out through your life and maybe your work?
1: Yes. So I was always a happy person
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you know had a very easy life, I think. and I grew up in the church. And I grew up believing because of, of my, because where I lived, I grew up believing mm-hmm. that God favored white people because mm-hmm. I grew up in a very, I, I guess they call it third culture kid, but my dad was a janitor and he was from Mexico and mm-hmm. we lived in this um, part of town that was most predominantly white. I think there's one other mm-hmm. Hispanic or two or three in my class, but no one ever said that to me, but I would just compare our house, which was on on the campus, to my friends and even our church. The church my parents grew up in was a bilingual Hispanic church, and it was just totally different. And I always just felt like an outsider. So, and part of my personality is I love including people, and mm-hmm. I just I know what it felt like to be alone or like an outsider or anxious I guess as a kid yeah and I just hated that feeling and I wasn't the best student and um, I would have you know had trouble paying attention or sitting still and so I mean in second mm-hmm. grade I had mimicked this person in my class who I don't even think she spoke a word but the teacher the te- they tried everything they they sat me and they said do everything that she does and it mm-hmm. turned out terrible because I just sat by her and if she you know if she went to Brush her hair, or not brush her hair, but you know, move something out of her hair. I basically just mm-hmm. like shadowed her, and everyone yeah. thought it was funny instead of, you know, was helpful. So I, you know, class clown. I just laughter allowed me to escape, I guess, things and not think about things. So I, I just I did that a lot. But you know, depression and, and mental health just wasn't talked about growing up. I remember I was yeah went to this hospital and it's like sophomore year of high school and took a test for add and surprise surprise you know had it and i mean it was the worst i just i didn't know anything about it i didn't know anyone that had it it wasn't talked about and i just thought that it, it just kind of affirmed my oh yeah i'm hispanic and not like my friends you know it just made more of a division, I guess. And Mm -hmm. I just believed that I couldn't do certain things. But it was so weird because I was very joyful. I love being around people. So I kind of gave up on school, but was like tell stories, you know, to groups. And I was always wanting to bring, you know, all I can bring is just like entertainment to people, you know, and Mm -hmm. be be almost like a joke. So I, I took that on at an early age. It wasn't all good, you know, but I think that's where that started. And then I just, I've been to counseling Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and that's been really great. And there's this type of counseling called EMDR. Eye movement desensitization and reprocessing to psychotherapy treatment. It's basically where you, we have in our minds old memories and they can be tapped into, but it's almost like a hypnosis But anyway, I had an EMDR session and basically my mission statement came out of that. It was as if someone handed me a Manoa folder and was like, your role or your assignment is to go after, I think it was anxiety and depression or, yeah. And so it sounds so crazy, but, you know, the comedy when just laughter is is very helpful. And then my life and I mean, even my dad, I remember my dad laughing, watching um, shows with him growing up as a kid. And and that's what like, you know, life is hard for everybody. But um, I remember I remember especially how that made my dad change his mood. And I just loved that. But it's funny because whenever I'm down, I don't like reaching out to people because I always feel like I should be up, you know. If that makes sense. It's always like, all right, make us laugh, you know, or I feel like, oh no, that's all that I can bring to Mm -hmm. people. And I love encouraging people. And so, but I don't do that, I guess, if I'm not encouraged. Does that make sense? Or sometimes I try to. So I don't even remember what your question was, but um, yeah. No,
0: that was great. Yeah. Do you feel like when you're in that place of feeling down and feeling like, you know, your role in relationship is to be up, do you feel like there are ways that people have reached out to you or engaged with you that have been helpful?
1: Yes. and It's mostly through humor. But I have some friends that are like, Flo, you need to snap out of it.
0: Like go for a run.
1: You know, I think sleep, diet, and exercise is a huge measure or keeping that going. But sometimes, you know, friends are like, oh, come over. And so just being with somebody is is helpful. Being with a friend, um, prayer helps a lot when friends call and they'll pray with me and just something to get me out to stop thinking about myself, if that makes sense. So that idea of self-forgetfulness has just been a really good help.
0: I think that's an interesting balance that you have there of incorporating more and more this practice of silence and stillness. But then there's also, it gets to a point where you also have to get out of your head. And I think they're probably very different Right. The this practice of stillness is stillness in the presence of God. Whereas, like, mm-hmm. the process of kind of just being in that place and being down and being in your head is more, I don't know, I think of like a, because I've I experienced that as well. And so I feel like I'm kind of just folding in on myself. Yes. Whereas, being still in the presence of God, even though it's just me and God, like, it's still more outward facing, I feel.
1: Yeah, when you're just looking inward, you're thinking about all the things that you've like failed at doing or things that aren't done, you know, or incompleteness. But then, yeah, when you're looking up, it's like, well, look, you're limited in your resources and, and what you can see and all these things. But like, if God is who he says he is, and if I can believe like a little bit of that, then it's like, why are you downcast? Mm. Oh, my soul, like... David says, it's like hope in Christ. And you've gotten this far. The Lord's brought you this far. Why would he leave you now? And Mm -hmm. um, even it's funny, the idea of identity. I used to be so embarrassed of being Hispanic as a kid and my name and everything, my skin color and the music. And now that's like all the auditions that I'm getting. And it's it's all because I'm Hispanic. So it's really funny mm. how that works. But knowing who you are, you know, like that's how God made me, right? He put me in mm-hmm. the family that I'm in and, and, he, and the way that life worked and, you know, personality and and how I look. So, I mean, I can't even judge myself, you know, when, when I want to. Or it's not even like it's so funny. It's like, why am I being so critical Of things that yeah, I mean of some things that I can control,
0: but
1: yeah, just look looking up, it's like a good reminder of like that there's a God and that I'm not him.
0: Yeah, for sure. I want to talk a little bit about you mentioned at the beginning that you have this kind of really long standing relationship with this family that you've also been able to nanny for. Can you talk about that relationship and how that relationship has kind of lasted over the years?
1: So I met them in two thousand eight when I moved here and, and through Redeemer and she's an actor and then he and I were in a small group with some men that we met weekly and they both went to University of Georgia so they had like friends that overlapped from my friend who went to University of Georgia so we'd hang out and they were just like fun people. We'd go like karaoke and mm. like talk about the acting stuff uh with her and then they're just you know, solid people that that I got to know and went to the wedding. And then I ended up moving back to Dallas and just kept in touch with them over the years. If I came back in town, I would meet up with them. And they were really involved with their church. And after they got married, then they adopted a little boy from locally from New Jersey. And I had just moved back up here. I think he was two and she was pregnant and they had a lady who was helping them and she got sick. I think she got cancer as an older woman. She got cancer. Mm-hmm. And I was, it was, I was barely here. I was trying to get into seminary here and I didn't get in. And then I was trying to just find different work, but I know I wanted to do something with acting. I was trying to just stay afloat, stay here. And so I was going to move in with this family. And help them in New Jersey. And she like wrote, she used to work for Sesame Street or something. And she was going to teach me how to do like programming. And I was going to help with their kid. And then this other family, they were living in Dumbo. And they were living in a two bed. And she said, why don't you come move in with us? Oh, I think I helped. I babysat once. And she liked Mm -hmm. that I spoke Spanish and that I was really good with him, this two-year-old. So she was like, come live with us. You know, and then we'll figure something out. And I moved in and it was, I lived on this loft bed above, you know, the, the crib and his bed, mm-hmm. the two-year-old. And it worked out like really well. And then she had the baby and I helped out with the baby. And it's pretty hilarious. And so that's how I stayed here. And then they were looking to buy a place and I got my license again. And that's how I got back into real estate. So we helped them buy their place, which was great. And then I guess since March, this whole COVID deal, I came back and I needed some, I was looking for some extra work. And so I help out on Mondays, but it's just nice being out of family. They're they're very structured. And so that helps me a lot, but yeah, they've, I mean, they're, they've kept me afloat here for sure. And it's just nice. I have two older brothers and nieces and, I don't really think I'm a good uncle but it's just nice I enjoy being around kids and I feel like they're like family here you know I've done Christmas and Thanksgiving with them in past and so probably do that this year but um yeah there's something about like a family that is helpful being a single person in the city I always feel like I'm getting the biggest benefit but yeah they also fostered they, I mean, their whole time being in New York, they've had someone living with them,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's like that's how they they're pretty intentional with that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now they fostered a kid from Brooklyn, I think, when he was a teenager, and he still has a big part, you know, he's family mm-hmm. to them, and so that's that was that's really cool too. And it just they kind of put their money where their mouth is, so to speak. But um, yeah, mm-hmm. they're really involved with foster care at their church and helping friends normalize adoption and foster care, but also get them involved with it and and it's a it's a beautiful thing. So I used to work with high school students and after college, um I was like a youth intern, I guess you call it at a church. And so I worked with high school kids. And right when I graduated, I lived at an orphanage and worked with street kids in Alcapulco. And that was like pretty formative. I always the idea of widows and orphans, you know, this is true religion, and you know, being ultimate outsiders, I guess, you know, someone who doesn't have a husband or you know, like a widow or have a um, family, like a like an orphan, mm-hmm. that that really is, you know, tugged on on my heart. You know, and I hope someday to to do that, foster and, and adopt.
0: Yeah. I want a cool kind of full circle of your experience of of always feeling like an outsider of like just being so intentionally brought in. Yeah. By this family, and it sounds like they made a choice early on that this is important to us. Right. There's almost like a missional feel to it.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you again for being here. I just have two last little questions for you. The first is how we can support you. Where are you on social media that people can follow you? That kind of thing.
1: I do have a social media account. It's just my name, Um, Jonathan M, like Martinez, and then Flores. Yeah, you can support me there. And that's about it for right now.
0: Awesome. Yeah. We'll definitely put that in the episode description so people can see it really easily. Cool. My last question for you is, will you tell me one thing that's hard right now and one thing that's great?
1: One thing that's hard is consistency and routine and just getting myself going has been really hard right now. Yeah. One thing that's great, man, there's a lot of great. It's great that I'm in this city, Mm -hmm. being in New York, because sometimes I feel like I shouldn't be here. And I'm here for several different reasons, but it's pretty amazing that I'm here. So that's a good thing. And I don't know how long I will be here, but um, that's a great thing. Mm.
0: Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for being here.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for listening. You can follow Jonathan on social media at Jonathan M. Flores. Huge thanks to everyone who's rated and reviewed the show. It is a huge help to help people find the show. If you'd like to support the show, head over to Apple Podcasts to rate and review. For resources designed to help single Christians like you thrive, head to my website, marybsaferit.com. Unsuitable with Mary B. Saferit is produced by Ashley Hong, Sound engineering is by Andrew Kim, and theme music is by Chad Rollinson. That's all for now. Catch you next time.